Hey, everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Scary movie love for scary movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about the 1992 splatter epic Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead, depending on what part of the world you're from. And I am joined for this very special conversation by a man who kicks ass for the Lord, Mr. Anthony King. Hi, Anthony. I uh, okay, so this is real awkward. I thought we were talking about Brain Slash Dead. The oh, this is Pullman. awkward. The Pullman Paxton movie. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we'll just keep going. I'll talk about one movie. You talk about the other, and just act like uh, you know we're talking about the same thing. It'll be fine. You are slavishly faithful to the European titles of films, and I respect <laughs> that about you. <laughs> I actually hate Brain Slash Dead, and I love brain dead and so that's why i include the slash i suppose i should say hyphen i guess i don't know right yeah it's impossible it's impossible for me to hate any movie with bill pullman but i I don't i don't love that movie yeah it's not great um anthony how's everything going on the cult movies podcast it's great i'm done uh for season two and uh you know i don't I don't know when I'm going to start up again because I'm enjoying watching whatever the hell I want. That's what yeah. I'm telling people. <laughs> and uh, uh, the, I'm looking forward to November because uh, I just talked to my friend Matt Bledsoe from Film Feast the other night. And he coined the term Sadvember because I'm I'm going to – and I think I you and I talked about this too. In November, I'm going to like chalk it full of of heavy family dramas that I'm looking forward to. Those are my favorite types of movies. So Sadvember is right around the corner. Looking forward to it. Give me an example of like a heavy family drama that you're looking forward to walk, watching. Uh, I mean, Ordinary People is like okay. you know, one of the most depressing movies of all time. I've never uh, seen it. Did you know that? Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I recommend it because it's, it's, uh, it's a masterpiece, but it's super sad. Yeah. And uh, or, you know, the ice storm is one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, just because I I love talking about key parties. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's how every uh, if this movie fest ends, by the way, is with a a giant key party. And I'm usually the one who slides down the road electrocuted. Uh, Just my limp corpse. As everybody has a key party, I, I'm the Adam Bird of this situation. Spoilers for the ice storm, everyone. <laughs> Happy scary movie month, everybody. Happy scary movie month. How is your scary movie month going? It's good. You know, uh, we so you were on an episode we recorded. I don't know a few weeks ago for cult movies, and we were talking about how we tend to get burned out by say week three of October, right? Yeah, and we are. Let's see. What is this? As of this recording is October 20th. And I'm not burned out at all because I I told you before I kind of saved up everything in September. I only watched two horror movies and those were for podcasts uh, in the month of September. And I saved it all for October and I'm still going strong. I'm still loving, uh, you know, the the atmosphere, the spookiness of it all. And uh, I have a good feeling that I can make it these next 11 days without burning out on horror. Nice. Well, that's good. Do you have stuff that you still want to get to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've I've been uh, so I I work uh, a super duper part time job uh, that (laughs) requires me to do absolutely nothing but sit on my butt and watch movies. 
So uh, on Saturdays and Sundays, I have pre-programmed myself these mini marathons that I've been going through. And so like I did, you know, vampire movies. I did ghost movies. I did or like haunting movies. Uh, I did, uh, you know, I did what Under the Sea, I think I, is what I called it. So like I watched Orca and uh, <laughs> Dagon and, you know, it's like ocean aquatic horror stuff. Right. So that's been fun. And then uh, when I'm not working, I'm trying to go through my collection and like watch everything uh, horror stuff that I haven't gotten to yet, uh, which, you know, as as physical media collectors know, you tend to have tons and tons of unopened things just sitting on your shelf. So I'm uh, I've been proud of myself going through and actually saying, OK, I'm going to take a plastic off this. And I'm going to watch this thing. So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still going strong. I feel good about it. How about you? Uh, it's going okay. I'm not burned out either. Um, I, I came close today because I started watching Rob Zombie's Halloween two, and that's just a sad, angry movie. And I just was like, I might not be in the mood for this right now. I don't, I don't think I'm burned out on horror, but this movie is oppressive. And so I turned it off and went outside. And that seemed and, to help. And the ice storm instead. And watch the ice storm. <laughs> and I feel good about everything. Uh, did I take the wrong message away from that movie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I haven't, you know, the Halloween is such a contentious uh, topic now. But uh, I, I don't feel any sort of ill will towards any of the Halloween movies, really. And I, I actually like Halloween 2 rob zombie stuff more than the first one um but you're right it is like oppressive is such a great word for that it's very angry yeah uh but you know i i got my halloween kills in and i'm calling that good for the month that's my my dose of halloween for october okay yeah that works um before we talk more about what we've seen lately we should do our seven word reviews those of you who if you're new to the podcast or new to f this movie every time you're watching a scary movie during the month of october go to fthismovie.com and leave a seven word review on that day's posting uh we're in the hundreds of reviews at this point probably thousands right i should say uh yeah. miko has been so great about keeping score and posting it every day um so we're going to read some of our favorite seven-word reviews, and then we'll talk about what we've seen, and then we'll get into Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead. Anthony, you go first. What do you got? Okay, I'm going to start with uh, our boy Michael Primero with uh, Son of Frankenstein. <laughs> he says, torches don't work. Try Evil Dies Tonight. <laughs> Hold on, I have to remove that from mine because I have it too. Uh, all right, Matthew B says of fun size, honor thy father, thy mother, thy Keevan. I haven't, so here's the thing. There's there a few fun size uh, reviews and I haven't seen fun size yet and I feel like I'm really missing out so I need to catch up on well, that. Well, you will finally get all of the Keevan jokes once you do. <laughs> Because there is, in fact, a character named Keevan. I was, you know, I thought that was funny, had not even seen the movie, but yeah. I was afraid to read it because I didn't know what the hell is Keevan. Is it <laughs> Kevin or is this a, a typo? I don't know, whatever. Yeah, no, it's a character's name. Okay. Uh, okay, my next one from Jennifer on Possession. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf meets Hellraiser? Nicely done. And, and the reason I, uh, real quick, I, I, I like that. I haven't seen Possession but nothing sells it more for me than 
Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf meets Hellraiser. So, anyways. Sad family drama meets, <laughs> meets horror movie. Yeah, that is Possession. Uh, Grant Hurlbert says of the others, no love greater than a smother's love. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was my finale. So good. Um, uh, Reed Strickland of Leprechaun 2, sneezing more important to plot than expected. <laughs> uh, Mika, who we just mentioned, of Dust Devil. Chelsea Fields beta, Dust Devil is VHS. Now, this is good because, A, it's a Chelsea Field reference, which I'm always in for, and, B, it's a, it's a, it's a Death Spa reference. <laughs> so you get both there, Chelsea Field and Death Spa. Uh, our own Rob D. Cristino of Bride of Chucky. Girl prefers toy to boy. Been there. <laughs> Marcus Killerby of Shocker. Top critics agree, like rolling in garbage. <laughs> Uh, this person, I don't know who the Patrick Bromley, I, I believe his name is for Titan. Always ask your car to pull out. Oh, it's a boy. rookie mistake. I'll talk about mistake. Titan in just a, a few <laughs> minutes here. My head is still reeling. Uh, Ryan of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two, please more Oingo Boingo scored kill scenes. Uh, Joel Edmondson of event horizon. Wow. More like event horror eyes off. Nicely done, Joel. Will Benson of Seven. Gwyneth Paltrow's sin was having a head. <laughs> uh, Louis Viljean of Antichrist. Nature is neither de friend nor de foe. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Lacey R. of A Nightmare on Elm Street. I would feel safe in Saxon's arms. <laughs> Uh, let's stick uh, with Louie in South Africa. Cherry Falls, tailor-made for father-daughter sexual chemistry connoisseurs. <laughs> Aaron Keith of The Thing 2011. Maybe a thing, but not the thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. I got one more here. Brian Sager of Death Ship. Alternate title, A Series of Unconvincing Wigs. <laughs> I've never seen Death Ship, but now I want to. Uh, <laughs> all right, I got a few more. Jennifer of Halloween Kills. Haddonfieldites. Evil dies tonight. Narrator. Evil didn't. <laughs> uh, Eric Wood of 30 Days of Night. Wild conclusion to Josh Hartnett's Numbers trilogy. Chris Cabellos of Alligator. Anytime a gator's flushed, Forster's forehead recedes. Todd Slade. Of Pet Cemetery 2, are there two directors named Mary Lambert? <laughs> and Cinemaspection of Dracula 1979, between Hammer and Coppola, lurks Frank Langella. <laughs> Keep them coming, guys. These are hilarious and ever okay. so clever. So thank you guys so much for uh, for submitting these, and thank you, Anthony, for picking out some of your favorites. Yeah, you know, uh, I I am not funny. Like, I can't come up with clever stuff like this so i love going on the site every day and being able to read these and uh, just kind of wallow in jealousy <laughs> uh, my rule is always i i have to it has to be the first thing i think of like oh. i can't i can't like work at it or like try to think of a clever one it's the first thing that pops into my head and that's what i have to go with because otherwise it'll take me way too long you know uh the the very first movie i watched for scary movie month was uh um oh shit what is it the udo kier dracula blood for dracula yes and i was like okay i'm gonna do seven word reviews this year and so i was thinking of <laughs> 
kudos to Udo's, you know, something Udo's the rest of the way through, and I, I couldn't finish it. I couldn't stick the landing. So I'm giving that away. Somebody watched Blood for Dracula. Kudos He's got, he gave you the first three words, everyone. You just have to come up with four more. Four more, and just one more Udo's in there somewhere. So you did, you did almost half the work for them. <laughs> that's that's me. I'm uh, I'm fifty percent king. They called me in high school. Uh, Anthony, have you seen anything scary lately? I have, and uh, I'm going to talk about uh, just a few here. <laughs> one that I okay, so this is my favorite horror movie of all time. It's one of my favorite directors of all time. He's uh, going to be on, like, if there's a Mount Rushmore of directors for me, it's going to be, he's going to be on there. And that's Larry Fessenden and his, his uh, one of his first movies, Habit. Ah, yes. The vampire movie. And this is, I mean, just something about this movie that the first time I watched it was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and it, it just stuck with me. And I like wrote, you know, I write plays, I write musicals, I write short stories. And so many of the things that I write have been directly influenced by this one movie. And I just, I don't know what it is. It's, you know, it's not, it's not polished at all. It's very independently made. Uh, the acting, you know, is, is not the best, but it's just dark and and depressing hello that's why i love it obviously <laughs> um and I, you know it i just love you know it, it's very new york everything is on the streets of new york they go out to the you know uh the beach you know in long island and and i don't know there's just something about this movie that i watch this is one that i watch at least two times a year and there aren't many movies that that i rewatch that often but there's something about habit that i'm just totally obsessed with all right, cool. What uh, you're a big fan of Bliss too, right? I seem to remember yes. that. Yeah, that seems very influenced by Habit. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think like when I did that, maybe I wrote a double feature article about Bliss and Habit together. Oh, that makes uh, sense. This is why I'm putting these but, together. I, I, may, I can't. I can't remember now. But yeah, I, I do love Bliss, and I mean, I I like all of Joe's movies too because they kind of have that. You know, just uh, get out and work your ass off and make your thing, you know, in whatever way possible with, yeah. you know, little resources. And uh, I know, yeah, something about bliss or a uh, uh, habit, though, there's one <laughs> line reading that Larry does in the movie that just I've gotten over it. But the first like few times I, I saw it, I'm just like, oh, this is the what? What are you doing? He said, you know, it's like uh he he's lamenting to his friend about, you know, is she, is she a vampire? She can't be a vampire. I mean, vampire. And the way he reads it, it's just like, you didn't want to do one more take there, Larry. It does not <laughs> hit at all. Uh, but bless Larry Fezzanin. He's just one of the greatest. I love him so much. So anyways, if anybody hasn't seen Habit, so, so, so track it down. It's so great. I just saw it for the first time a couple of years ago when Scream Factory put out that box set of four of his yeah. movies. And that was my favorite of the four that I watched. I was pretty knocked out by it. Yeah, and I like them. I haven't watched the Winter, was it Winter Kills or the one with uh, Ron? Yeah, The Last Winter, I think it's called. The Last Winter, yeah. That's that's actually going to be part of one of my mini marathons. So uh, that'll be fun. Eco Horror one? 
Uh, yes, okay. I'm doing a, I'm calling it Into the Wild. Oh, very nice. So I think I'm going to put in The Woman, which I haven't seen. Oh, boy. Last winter. Uh, well, I can't even remember. But, yeah, kind of nature-centered. Okay. Um, okay, so anyways, uh, another one I want to talk about real quick <laughs> is it just showed up on, on Shudder, and everybody's kind of clamoring who hadn't seen it before, and that is Razorback. Oh, from, nice. Uh, from Australia. Uh, I love a good, you know, giant warthog movie. Did you see <laughs> one with, uh, I can't remember what it's called, with, with Bill, um, oh, Jesus Christ, names, people. Uh, it just came out a couple years ago with, uh, from Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Bill Mosley. Okay. So anyway, see a couple years ago, they came out with a giant, uh, warthog. He was Australian in a giant movie. warthog movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's called i can't even tell you what it's called but it's okay it's fine razorback is uh bananas i loved it so much there's something about uh movies that take place in the outback that is so you know kind of post-apocalyptic and and depressing to me uh which again is why i love (laughs) those types of movies uh and but this is like so over the top and it's sort of a kitchen sink movie where like we're talking about you know uh like radioactive waste i i guess i mean i can't even tell you exactly what happened because there's so much they cram into this movie but the size of this warthog is stupidly comical (laughs) anyways i was happy to finally cross it off my list have you seen that movie not for a long time like even you describing it i'm like gosh i don't remember most of this it's russell mulcahy isn't it yeah russell mulcahy yeah that's what i thought he of highlander fame and resident evil extinction and those are the two movies he's made. Oh, really? No, I'm kidding. He's made a bunch okay. more than that, but I don't know why I picked those two. And Razorback is the best out of anyways. <laughs> um, uh, the, then, the Bill Mosley Boar movie, by the way, is called Boar. Boar, that's right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, worth worth seeing. Okay. Um, okay, and then I, I want to talk about three that I'm going to group together real quick. So every Friday night we do a, a family movie night, and uh, Eben has been... He's been, you know, since he was a little baby, kind of sat alongside me watching horror movies. And I remember, you know, feeding him bottles, watching Fulci movies and and uh, explaining to him exactly what's happening, (laughs) Uh, of course, jokingly. But anyway, so he's kind of grown up um, like interested in horror stuff. And so uh, this year he really wanted to watch the original Frankenstein. So that's the first one we watched. And I love it when my nine-year-old son says, "Hey, can we watch this black and white movie from nineteen, you know, from the nineteen thirties?" And like that's almost unheard of. Yeah. Well, that's that was really exciting. He really enjoyed that, so that was really fun. And then uh, we, I had speaking of unopened discs, uh, last year I bought Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and and had never seen it, but I you know I had found it for five dollars or whatever at Target, so. I thought, well, this is a perfect time to watch it. And that was <laughs> Bobby had to sleep with Eben that night. He... Oh, boy. <laughs> it was uh, I, I didn't think it. I mean, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. I didn't think it was scary, but it was fun enough. Uh, but, you know, for a nine year old, I could see how it, it would freak him out. And but he still really loved it and woke up the next morning, like talking about it, the you know, the. Mitai Doty Walker and right. 
and then got Rowan, who is three, going around the house going, me, Ty, <laughs> All of them, like, trying to scare me. And so uh, that was a lot of fun. I felt a little bad about that. I, I don't really ever want to scare my children. Right, right. Uh, but anyways, he, he liked that one. And then the following night, I'd been trying to show Eben Tibor Takas's, uh The Gate forever because okay. I have uh, an old DVD of it and I hadn't seen it for a long time. And I was like, well, this I don't remember it being that scary. And, uh, you know, it's it's not I'm not not a huge fan of that movie. And Eben wasn't, you know, he thought it was fine, but. You know, it was the next night after Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, so it landed a little flat. Sure. Uh, but so that was, you know, it was fun to revisit that. Uh, I appreciate the, all the effects in that movie, but I'm excited. Next week we're going to watch, or I guess this week we're going to watch uh, The Fog. Eben has been wanting to watch John Carpenter's The Fog. So Nice. That'll be fun. Yeah. I, I included that... Um... We did a family movie night, and I picked four movies for my kids to choose from. It was like Child's Play, The Fog, Frankenweenie, just to see which you know direction they'd want to go. I don't even remember the fourth. We ended up watching uh, My Sucky Teen Romance, which is an Emily Higgins movie that she made when she was like 16 about vampire, a vampire that falls in love with a girl at a horror convention. Uh, and they liked it enough, but I kind of wish they had picked The Fog. Yeah, I uh, we showed Eben Child's Play last year because <laughs> he had been talking. Well, when did when did the new Child's Play come out? Was that last year or two years? Uh, ago? I think it, last year didn't count. I don't think so. It had to be two years ago. Two years ago, like on his speaking of YouTube, on his YouTube channels, like they were promoting the hell out of that new Child's Play, and so. Yeah. Yeah, do you know about Chucky the Killer Doll? <laughs> so he wanted to go as Chucky for Halloween that year. Nice. And, and so I guess if this is two years ago, he was seven years old. So we showed <laughs> our seven-year-old child's play. And it's not – I don't even think there's an F word in there. He says a lot of shits. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of bloody. But, you know, Bobby and I were kind of, you know, trading glances with each other like, are we – horrible parents <laughs> you know he wanted to watch it whatever and he's you know he's somewhat normal two years later so my kids okay. are convinced it's going to be super scary and i keep trying to tell them like no you can handle it you can handle it but yeah they're 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 freaked out by it well tell them that that uh anthony's son watched it and he really liked it. he thought it was funny so. all right and he was seven so man up seven. kids <laughs> God. <laughs> all right that's all i got all right, um, I got a couple that I'll talk about. I watched the remake of Slumber Party Massacre, which premiered last weekend on Sci-Fi, and then this week went to like VOD, so you can rent it or buy it now, I think. And I feel like it came together very quickly, because I feel like I just read that it was being remade, and the next thing I know, it was playing at Fantastic Fest, and the next thing I know, it's showing up on Sci-Fi. Um, this is directed by Danishka Esterhazy and it's, it, it means well, um, it's kind of like three movies. So the first 15 minutes or so essentially remake the original 1982 film. Then there's a whole middle section that's kind of comedically subverting all the tropes of Slumber Party Massacre. And then it becomes a third movie that I don't want to spoil. But 
it's like, oh, I see what they're going for, and it's certainly entertaining, and it certainly means well, and it's got energy, and all the performers are very committed. Um, but it's one of those movies that, at the end of the day, for me, was like a little too clever for its own good. It was a little too concerned with being up its own ass and not as much as like working as a horror movie. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does. I, uh, I didn't even know this was a thing until, you know, maybe it was John Squires or somebody posted about it, that it's on sci-fi this weekend or whenever it was. Yeah. I was like, what, what is going on? Is this, is this a real thing? And so I didn't know if it was a movie or a TV show. And then I saw in letterbox people were watching it. So, uh, that's, interesting you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's rentable for like six bucks now after it showed on sci-fi and i don't i don't think they cut anything for sci-fi it just had commercials in it so sure uh if you're at all interested i mean it's certainly worth a six dollar rental but it's not and i think it's the kind of movie that people are really going to latch on to in the coming years i think it's going to be one of those movies that like horror twitter talks about a lot which makes me less in, less inclined to like uh celebrate it which is terrible that I have that reaction but I do um sure but so that's that one uh I we did watch Erica and I did watch Titan last night because it just became available for rent we had wanted to go see it when it was in theaters and it's just it's impossible to find babysitting right now so we haven't really been getting out to the movies at all so I appreciate the fact that some of these movies are available to rent at home um i was a big fan of julia de corno's first movie raw i had heard that this was terrific uh, obviously it won the palm door at con um i don't even know what to say about it because i'm still like i said trying to comprehend what i saw um i i I can easily say I haven't really seen another movie like it. I've seen movies that do some of the same things. It's essentially about a girl who is a serial killer who fucks her car and then things happen to her body as a result. Uh, and I won't say any more than that, but if, so it's like, yeah, based on that premise, it's like, I want to see that movie. I've never seen that movie before. And yes, <laughs> right. you've never seen the movie Titan before. That is for sure. It is very audacious, very transgressive. The lead actress, whose name I don't have in front of me, probably deserves some sort of awards for just how hard she commits to this movie. Um, <laughs> but I can't say that I loved it. You know, I was like impressed by it. I admired where it was willing to go, but I didn't connect with most of it. Is okay. So is this her? I'm sorry. Did you say this? Is this her second movie? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, man. Yeah, I didn't know really anything about it until uh, I read your seven-word review. I was like, wait a minute, is that a a sex thing? So I had to read a little bit about it. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's what the movie's about. Uh, and then the last movie I will talk about is one that I just watched today when I was just flipping through Amazon Prime looking for something to put on while I was doing some work. And I was going to put on something that I had seen before, obviously, because I didn't want to put on something new while I was working. And I ended up uh, on a movie called The Special, which came out last year. 
and it's directed by Harrison Smith, and it's actually produced by Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp. Um, I did not work during this movie because I had never seen it, (laughs) and I was like, I have to pay attention to this. Speaking of weird sex, it is about (laughs) a man who thinks his wife is cheating on him, so his friend, played by Dave Sheridan of Scary Movie and Victor Crowley, takes him to a brothel and says you got to have the special. You can't have one of these regular girls. You got to have the special. So he goes upstairs and the special is a box with a hole in it. That's like, you know, put your dick here. So he does. And it's the best he's ever had. And the friend says, I don't even want you to know where this place is because you can only do this once. I know you, you're going to get hooked until all your money is gone. And so it's the best he's ever had. And he starts to obsess over the special and keeps going back and getting the special. And then it turns into kind of a body horror movie. Um, I, I knew at a certain point what the punchline was going to be, but that didn't spoil it. It's, it's still pretty funny and pretty clever. It's a very cheap indie movie. And a lot of times movies made on this budget um, are kind of unwatchable. I had seen maybe one or two other movies that Harrison Smith had made. And to be honest, I wasn't really a fan of them, but I, something about this movie pulled me in. I was like, I have to see where this goes. Uh, So I am weirdly recommending it. It's on Amazon prime. It's called the special. I like the tagline fatal attraction meets the blob. Even the that's kind of given too much away. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, the poster, it, that's real gross. What the is poster. the poster? I haven't seen the poster. Uh, the box with the hole and then maybe something that looks like a long, gross tongue. And oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> spit bubbles. That is disgusting. Jesus. <laughs> wow. All right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, nothing, you don't get anything like that in the movie, not to spoil that. I don't want to say. Well, then I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I mean, I won't say what's in the box, but you do find out what's in the box. Uh, but yeah, one movie where a girl fucks her car, another movie where a guy fucks a hole in a box. This is why you guys listen to F this movie. (laughs) That's what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. Let's talk about Dead Alive, a movie where, uh, gosh, a uh, priest fucks a nurse and a <laughs> woman <laughs> absorbs her son into her, back into her uterus. And it's not even that much. Of, it's not like that sexually weird of a movie, but there is some weird sex stuff going on in the movie. <laughs> it's uh i remember well let me i want to know when so what, what was your first experience with this i was with a friend we went to the video store we were looking for something to rent i was probably a freshman or sophomore in high school and we saw that vhs box and we were like well we gotta check out what this is all i knew was the title and the vhs box and we took it home and watched it and we're just having the best time. And by the time he gets to the lawnmower at the end, I remember it, uh, having this 
out-of-body experience where I just was like, what the fuck am I watching? What <laughs> is happening? I'd never seen a movie that went as far as this movie does in terms of gore. Um, and for years, this movie became sort of a, a weird litmus test. It wasn't even like a real test, but like we had our group of friends and every time someone new came around, we sat them down and, and had them watch Dead Alive just to see how they would react to it. It wasn't like, well, if they don't like it, we can't be friends with them. But it was just like, let's let's see how they handle this. And if they were into it, it was like, okay, cool. This person's on our wavelength. And if they, I don't think we ever showed it to somebody who wasn't into it. I don't think we would have like shunned them. We weren't douchebags like that. I don't know what the point of the test was, but it was just like trying to expose more people to this crazy movie. I think. Yeah. I think I remember seeing the poster for this, uh, on video on the video store wall, like the mom and pop shop that we used to go to. And, but I never really thought about it until I was, I think probably a junior in high school and, and my friend Mike was like, uh, we're going to go to this midnight showing. And I think this might have even been my first midnight movie. We had this old theater in town that uh, every Saturday night they'd show uh, midnight movies. And this is like the most disgusting movie theater, uh, you know, sticky floors, broken seats, like springs coming out of the seats and everybody's smoking in the auditorium. People are shooting up and like, oh it's just it's, yeah, it's a scary ass place. But uh, the midnight movies were like infamous and you, you, you had to be there. And so uh, this is my first one. He tells me nothing about the movie. We go and uh, I feel like that was the perfect experience. That's the perfect way to experience Dead Alive for the first time. And just, you know, the movie opens up with the with them kind of running through the an island jungle, like in this little valley between these two rocky hills. And and then they get to the point where the monkey scratches the guy, he bites him and like the the natives are like chopping off his limbs. <laughs> and, and like, you know, that's five minutes in and I'm sitting here, you know, it's like 1230 in the middle of the night. And I'm like, oh how how delirious am i already it, this is insane and then it just kept getting more and more insane and then you know 90 minutes later here i am <laughs> through a a plume of smoke watching this guy literally mow down uh, a troop of zombies it's crazy it is it's completely crazy i kind of miss the days when you could like discover a movie like this and I was sent down a rabbit hole and you know, there wasn't, if there was internet, I didn't have it. And so I remember wanting to seek out more Peter Jackson movies. And there was like a tiny little sidebar in a premiere magazine about Peter Jackson, because I think he had just gotten hired to make the frighteners. And so it was like, oh, and this guy also made this movie Dead Alive. And I was like, that's the fucking movie. That's the one that I saw. <laughs> uh, and then, he, you know, he made Meet the Feebles and um, Bad Taste. And I was like, well, how do I find these movies? And Meet the Feebles was hard to come by at that point. But Bad Taste was rentable. So I definitely rented that and checked that out. But I was like, 
I had become a Peter Jackson fan just based on Dead Alive, and it's so funny because then, of course, he goes on to make The Lord of the Rings and becomes one of the biggest directors, you know, of all time. But at this point, he was just this crazy Kiwi guy who made these insane movies. And I gotta say, watching Dead Alive today, I really miss this Peter Jackson. Yeah, he... Okay, so I watched Meet the Feebles for the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'll be honest, folks, I really fucking hated that movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's an experience, you know, like, I don't know if I love it either, but it's like, you gotta see it at least once just to be like, what the fuck is this? And then never again. And I, I regret the uh, the time I wasted watching. <laughs> uh, there aren't many movies that like I loathe with that sort of fire, but Meet the Feebles can count itself as one of those. Uh, I hadn't I haven't seen Bad Taste, but so all I all I knew of of Peter Jackson was this wild ass experience I had at this midnight movie, and then he comes out with uh, uh, when Lord of the Rings comes out. I I. Even with the Frighteners, I hadn't put two to two together. But Lord of the Rings comes out, and I'm I'm not a big, like, that's not my bag. I, I'm not a big, like, Middle Earth type of, those aren't the stories that I like. Sure. They're but, not uh, depressing enough. Exactly. No, not really. <laughs> if the Hobbits were constantly bickering and being passive aggressive, you'd be like, this is my shit. I like the movies where Elijah Wood gets electrocuted <laughs> and slides down a hill of ice. Uh, oh, was uh, it Elijah Wood? I had it as Adam Bird. Is it? It's Elijah Wood that oh, died. Oh, it's Elijah Wood. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and edit my joke from earlier. <laughs> spoilers, it's Frodo. Spoilers. It's Frodo. Spoilers for the ice storm. And the ice. Yeah, I mean, Frodo dies. Everyone. No, <laughs> uh, oh, Jesus. Where was I? So, I hadn't put two and two together, and I think it was probably my friend Mike again, who's like, "Hey, remember that that." midnight movie we went and saw with the lawnmower and i'm like yeah he's like this is the same guy i was like what the are you kidding me it's crazy and he's like yeah he did the frighteners too and i love the frighteners that was one of our favorite movies and it just kind of blew my mind like the dude that made like the goopiest movie of all time is is making this like huge epic that is like gonna uh, just like bowl the world over. Like everybody's gonna fall over their own asses about this movie. Yeah. It just kind of blew my mind, like how far he had come. And I and uh, again, I, I still haven't seen Bad Taste. So even from there to Lord of the Rings to where he is now, like coming out with this Beatles thing on Disney Plus now, uh, is uh, I mean, let's be honest, it's super impressive, very impressive. But I'm with you. I want Peter Jackson to get like sloppy and weird again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's aspects of the first Lord of the Rings trilogy. I guess we can just call it the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Cause the second one would be the Hobbit trilogy. Um, where it does, it feels like the same guy just working on a much bigger scale and a much bigger budget, but the camera moves in a similar way and it's got the same kind of manic energy, so I can draw a straight line, really, between Dead Alive and Lord of the Rings. But then, and I'm a fan of his King Kong, but like Lovely Bones, the Hobbit movies. I still haven't seen his World War One documentary. Have you? Uh, no, I, I haven't. No, I haven't seen a Peter Jackson movie since uh, the first Lord of the Rings in the theater. Oh, OK. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, I, guess I have seen King Kong. 
but yeah, like nothing has been like, oh, I need to go see this movie. Right. Got the it. stuff that he does now just does not interest me. Yeah, the the World War One documentary is supposed to be very good. I remember it played in like 3D when it was in theaters. Uh, it might be streaming now. I have no idea, and I can't remember the name of it, unfortunately. But uh, oh, they shall not grow old. They shall not grow old. Thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I I wish I'm excited for the Beatles thing. Like, sure, absolutely, he's a super talented filmmaker, and that's a subject that I'm interested in. So I'm down, but. I wish, you know, even Sam Raimi gave us Drag Me to Hell, you know, and like went back to basics for at least one movie. And I kind of wish Peter Jackson would do the same. Yeah, I I wonder I, I wonder what what he thinks of kind of those early films, Bad Taste and uh, Meet the Feebles and uh, Dead Alive. I wonder if he's still like super proud of those or if he's just like, you know, that's just how I had to get my foot in the door. The rumor for some time has been that he is personally restoring them for like some sort of HD release or possibly a 4k release. So if that's the case, I have to believe he's still very proud of them as he should be. Yeah. Well, that's good. Maybe not meet the feebles in your case, but (laughs) I'll pass on that one. (laughs) You're not going to buy the 4k of meet the feebles. Oh, good God. No. Uh, but I, I do need to watch bad taste. That's, that's not a puppet movie, is it? Uh, it's not puppets. No, it's, and he, he plays the lead in it actually. Um, it's very scrappy. It's like very much a first movie made for very little money. It feels like, like when I was younger, me and my friends would go make horror movies in our backyard and it feels kind of like that. Sure. Uh, with slightly more money and obviously much more talent behind it. But, uh, it's not Dead Alive. I mean, Dead Alive is, is a pretty substantial leap forward. But there's a ton of charm in Bad Taste. I really like Bad Taste. I'm not saying anything derogatory about it. It's sure. just you got to know what you're in for. Yeah. Um, here's a question. Why is Dead Alive set in the 1950s? Uh, my third bullet point on my notes. Why set in the 50s? <laughs> Why? What the, like, and I, because they don't explicitly state that in the movie, do they? Well, at the beginning, that opening, when they first are carrying the Sumatran rat monkey through the jungle, it says like 1957 or something like that. Oh, oh, I, Jesus, I didn't even catch that. It does. Uh, and then, yeah, but then the rest of the movie, you know, it's like, does is it jumping to present day? No, it's not. It's still set in the 50s. Yeah, I. so uh, my original note was, uh, I really like this setting. Like, it seems out of time. Like, why is this town so so kind of quaint and like stuck in their old ways. And then I like, I, I was like, all the cars are old. They're from the fifties. And yeah. so I had to pause the movie and then Google it. And I was like, Oh, duh, why? I must've missed something. But, uh, I agree. What the hell? Why is it set back then? Because that, that seems like, uh, a big thing he could have saved money on. Right. It's a, it like, is another obstacle that he's putting in his way. Right. But, uh, you know, I think the whole point of this movie is to get to the lawnmower scene. Don't you think like that's <laughs> that, like Peter Jackson wanted to make this movie to just to do that scene? Do you think that's right? Um, I think there's a lot of things in this movie he wanted to do. Like, I think he wanted to do the pudding scene. I think there's <laughs> you can really tell those moments where he is just I'm, I, I've said this before in stuff I've written, but I'm a big fan of movies where I can feel the director 
like behind the camera cackling at what they're getting away with. (laughs) And Dead Alive is definitely one of those movies where I could just picture Peter Jackson giddily laughing at what he's putting on screen. Yeah. Uh, And like just little things like uh, we, we learned, I mean, you get some really cool stop motion stuff with the, with the rat monkey, but you know, even uh, where does this rat monkey come from? Well, he explains it. He's, you know, way back when rats came off the ships and they went and raped all the tree monkeys (laughs) and out of came this Sumatran rat monkey. And, you know, that was something that Peter Jackson wrote. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This movie's fucking bananas, like in the best possible way. I love it. Like I forgot how much I love it because I haven't seen it in a number of years. Um, It's just not something I go back to that often. I think the last time I saw it was probably a theatrical, one of those 24 hour marathons and uh, at the music box here in Chicago. And they showed it like around midnight or two. And I stayed to see it because I never, you were very fortunate to get to see it theatrically. I never had seen it theatrically. So it was fun to see a 35 millimeter print of it with a big audience and just have all the gags totally play. But I'm such a fan of movies um, that are so like horror movies specifically that are so like gag driven. Yes. Um, And not just gore gags, but like even the thing is a movie I would, describe as being gag driven you know where it's like we've got the defibrillator gag and we've got the blood test gag and we've got this gag uh killer clowns from outer space is a movie i always point to as being brilliantly gag driven because they sat down and they said okay what's every clown gag we can come up with (laughs) and they stick every single one of them in the movie and so that's great you know i get angry when a movie has a premise and then refuses to live up to that premise Um, Dead Alive is maybe the best gag movie of all time because every few minutes there's a new gag and it's something you've never seen in a movie before, even if it's just the priest getting his lips bitten off or (laughs) the girl getting punched through the head. I don't even know how they did that shot. Um, Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. It it is... uh, So this is 1992. He probably made it, you know, 90, 91, whatever. Uh, we're not talking about like CGI stuff. This no. is like, like seamless editing. This is the greatest editing you've ever seen where it's an actual actress. She, she's got the makeup on and then, and then a fist comes through her skull, like from, from behind her head and goes out her face. And it's obviously a dummy, but I had to rewind it and like go frame by frame. And you can't like it. When I say seamless, it is seamless. You can't see when they switch that over, yeah. it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad because, you know, like I had seen the movie Casino like three or four times before <laughs> before I ever noticed the dummy switch at the beginning. Uh, and now I can't unsee it. Now it's all yeah. I see when I watch that movie. So I'm kind of glad that I can like, Mar- Marty, you didn't want to do, I guess, the blowing <laughs> up a fucking car, but still, Lord. And again, to his credit, I watched that movie a couple times before I ever noticed it. Cause that's not what I was looking at. You know, I sure. was looking at the car and it exploded. And that's exactly it's sleight of hand. You know, it's, I was looking where he wanted me to look. 
right. instead of looking at the dummy switch. But now, because I'm aware of the dummy switch, it's all I see. <laughs> and a, a noticeable dummy switch would ruin that gag. But it's like one of the most impressive gags ever put on film because I didn't even pause it and rewind it or rewind it and pause it rather. Um, because I, I was just like, there's no way it's impossible to tell where that cut is. Right. And yeah, it is. I mean, believe me, I went frame by frame and you can't. And so it's super impressive in that way. Now, what's funny to me. So I, uh, about a month ago, I, I was, uh, on my show, I was talking to, um, uh, uh, Jim Healy about the producers. And so we were talking about Mel Brooks a lot and how I love Mel Brooks, but by, you know, the end of his movies, I'm pretty burned out because it's joke after joke, after joke, after joke, after joke. And I'm pretty burned out on the laughs. And I feel like I would be burned out on the laughs on dead alive because like you said, it's gag after gag after gag. Uh, but, there's so much like gross, goopy, physical, uh, you know, uh, uh, gore effects that are super impressive to watch that prevents me from burning out on uh, the joke after joke after joke with this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like um, like Mel Brooks specifically. It's like one out of every nine lands, you know, like right, he's, he's a guy who just he'll put in every joke. And one out of nine lands. Uh, so the the average isn't as strong as I would say in Dead Alive, where I think all of them land. I can't really think of a gag in this movie where I'm like, oh, that was a mistake, or oh, that was dumb. I will say, I love this movie's ability to top itself. Like, I, I miss <laughs> when movies could effectively top themselves, because I think now... <sighs> this is just old man yells at cloud, but like <laughs> <laughs> so many movies, they rely so heavily on CG that by the time we get to the climax, we're just looking at swirling clouds of ones and zeros. Right. And it's a lot of visual noise and it's not, and I'm, you know, I'm not singling out Marvel movies, but certainly Marvel movies are guilty of this where it's like, Oh, it's two CGI things punching the shit out of each other. And I don't really care what's happening. And there's a blue light shooting towards the sky and we got to stop it. Um, and this movie is like tops itself, tops itself, tops itself until we get to that lawnmower scene. And it, I think it kind of crests there and what an amazing way it has of topping itself. And yeah. it's all practical to the, to the degree that I think the stuff that comes after with the giant mom monster, the Vera monster <laughs> is probably my least favorite stuff in the movie. It's that. And the sequence with the baby, even though, I mean, I, I do crack up at the sequence with the baby, <laughs> because I think Timothy Baum's reactions are so funny. And when he just starts hitting it and smashing it against the swing set and the drunk just cheering him on, he's like, yeah, ah. <laughs> it's impossible not to laugh. <laughs> but the baby is like my least favorite character in the movie. And the Vera stuff, like, again, I appreciate because a, it's a giant puppet and I just like any kind of big practical monster. Yeah. And B, there is an attempt at like, a character arc, you know, the movie yeah. isn't content to just be gory. It's like, no, there's a character arc. There's a story being told. There's a thematic thing that's happening. And the Vera monster is what closes that out. But I do think that like 
the movie peaks at the lawnmower and the stuff that comes after feels like it's riding a wave downward. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, that was another question I had, like why exactly do they include the fact that Vera and, you know, it's revealed that she killed her husband, Lionel's dad and his mistress. And, you know, is that included so Lionel can finally kind of, uh, you know, cut the cord, essentially. Right. Yeah. Would he not have otherwise? <laughs> like... right. Well, I mean, he, he, listen, up until this point, he's been a zombie babysitter. <laughs> That's true. Tranquilizing them in their fucking nostrils and eyeballs <laughs> uh, just to keep them sated. Not like even experimenting. How can I kill these people? Uh, it, it's like he's just keeping them alive, locked up in the basement because... Why? Because he loves his mom, uh, who, by the way, she is so great uh, before she turns into a yeah a monster. She's so funny. And uh, like when after she gets bitten by the monkey the next morning, the people from the Women's League come for lunch or whatever. And Lionel runs upstairs and like, Mom, they're here. And uh, it shows her festering, pulsating like gross wound and it pops and that's kind of our first like it's like okay this is where we're going like you said that's the first gag and it's going to get topped and that'll get topped and uh and then so she gets up and she sits at her makeup chair and she <laughs> pulls that little flap of skin down <laughs> and, and she just goes oh <laughs> <laughs> and he and i'm with you uh his reactions are some of the best parts of this movie. I had never really like acknowledged the acting before. You know, I like, I just took it at face value because I was so busy praising the insane amounts of violence and just the creativity and all the kills and all the carnage and all that. Like that's really the star and I get it. But today, as I was watching it, I really Timothy Balm and Elizabeth Moody as Lionel and Vera I was so impressed by their performance. Her whole performance in the lunch scene where she's kind of slurring her speech and she's <laughs> essentially dead or dying, but still trying to impress these people from the women's league as her ear falls into her custard and she eats it. Uh, <laughs> the guy just gleefully eating custard that she like shot a blood oh. and pus into. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, again, going back to like, Peter Jackson knew exactly what he's doing. He yes. wrote the words. The guy says, damn fine custard, rich and creamy, just the way I like it. As, like, <laughs> as he's like gnawing on the, the creamy, pussy <laughs> custard. Oh. Can I tell you something that I don't think I've ever admitted on 605 episodes of this podcast? Tell me. My least favorite word in the English language is creamy. <laughs> I hate it so much. So even if he wasn't eating blood and pus, just if he was eating regular custard and was like rich and creamy, just the way I like it, I'm still gagging as I watch, just thinking about like, oh, creamy custard. (laughs) And, you know, they, he's, they're very intent on getting the, uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) There is so much insane Foley work in this movie. All the squishes and splats. I mean, everything is like he really cranked it up. Well, okay, And then, I mean, all 
of that. And so Lionel needs to find a way to like, if he's not going to kill what he's got the, the nurse and mom so far. So he's not going to kill these people. And so he, he goes to a veterinarian who is a Nazi. Yeah. That's a weird scene too. I forgot about that scene. Again, that's just like, we're going to throw it in. Why not? Like what the hell is the point of that? Uh, great. But I, I have to say, I think the priest is, I mean, that scene where he, he's fighting like the gang members. I mean, that is, that's probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. It's pretty unbelievable. And again, it's a testament to that actor's Stuart, Stuart Devini, Stuart Deveni, Deveni. I don't know how you say his last name, but as father Magruder, it's a testament to his performance that every time I watch it, I'm brokenhearted when he dies yeah yeah because he's such a great character out of nowhere and like uh i mean i kick ass for the lord is like an (laughs) all-timer oh yeah that i remember that first midnight screening i saw this you know people are quoting along because everybody else apparently had seen this besides me and uh you know when that line comes up every the whole theater i kick ass for the lord and everybody's just dying and cracking up. And I mean, it hits. I've probably watched this half a dozen times now. So funny. Yeah. Every single time it's perfect. And he even has a great line before that. And I can't remember what it is. Yeah. When he pops up and like the, you know, the framing. Oh, something about divine intervention, right? Divine intervention. Yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> that he, is the funny. Camera's looking up at him and like it's foggy and he's backlit. And he just, you know, he's like, he's our superhero come to save the day. And then he does all this, like, one-handed, you know, kicks this whole gang's ass. And then, uh, you know, what takes him down is a single head. He has, you know, punched somebody's head off and the, the head comes flying down from, from the sky, lands on his neck and bites right, him. Right, right. And then he gets <laughs> impaled on a cross. And <laughs> <laughs> just in case you didn't know where Peter Jackson was at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the whole sequence where Lionel is, once we get the, the biker and the priest, and now we have the nurse and we have Vera, um, and Lionel is feeding them, and he can't figure out how to feed the nurse, so he just opens her head up like a Pez dispenser and starts pouring it down her throat. These are the scenes that I'm like, Peter Jackson like was born to direct these, that he just couldn't That's... wait to do some of these sequences. Yeah, when the gang member, like, he takes the spoon, like Lionel shows him, no, you take the spoon, you hold it like this, and he does <laughs> yes. it and, like, jams it through the back of his throat and it pops out the back of his head. And he's like, and like flailing his arms around. But but Lionel, he's the babysitter, he's the zombie babysitter. He has to go take care of the nurse. And yeah, pops her head open like a Pez dispenser. My favorite part of this viewing was <laughs> Bobby. She was sitting on her phone, cats on her lap, and I just I would look over at her every now and then, and she had like just this look of disgust. <laughs> you can't not watch this movie. But she gets grossed out easily, which, you know, uh, good for her for sticking this through. But, yeah, just this look of disgust. Every now and then something, whenever something gross would happen, I'd look over at her and she'd just be like, 
what the fuck is going on? (laughs) (laughs) And this is the second time she's watched this movie with me. That's impressive. (laughs) Is there, is there anything in the movie that does actually gross you out? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Not anymore. Uh, it, 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 I mean, the custard was the oh, the pussy custard was just the worst, <laughs> rich and creamy custard. <laughs> uh, but you know, like I said, I've seen this enough where it's just, I just think it's funny because yeah. I mean, these, these and these actors are fully committed, and these are these are not young people; these are grown ass adults who are like, we're in, we're in on the gag. This is all fun and games for us. Yeah, I I so applaud this movie's sense of humor like the fact that it's actually funny but never like um never breaking character never being like isn't this funny i don't know how to explain it but yeah it doesn't wink i mean everybody's playing it very very straight um and they're all so as you said they're all so committed and the physicality of all of the zombie performances, I think, are so funny. I guess it's Void. Is that the name of the biker guy? Uh, how the hell did Lionel know his name? Yeah. Like, it's just like the town bully? Does everybody <laughs> know? know. He, this viewing today, he was cracking me up. All of his physicality was making me laugh really, really hard. And all of his reactions um, to everything. When his... Like he gets separated near the end of the movie and his lower digestive tract, I guess, like escapes from his body. Got a mind of its own. And has a mind of its own. That shit uh was upsetting me. <laughs> like that was I was grossed out by that today. I mean, even because I made the mistake of eating lunch while I was watching this movie. Oh, and I, I will say this is one movie I will not eat while watching this movie. There's no way I could. As funny as all the lawnmower shit is. And I so appreciate it. I never caught the like the uh, the foreshadowing of the lawnmower early in the movie. We see oh. Lionel. Uh, yeah. I mean, we see it from underneath. Yeah. yeah. The camera makes a point of being like, remember this guy? Yeah. <laughs> um, as funny as I find all that, I mean, there is certainly a point where it's just the the viscosity of the goo and the coupled with the sound. I'm just like, this is hard to take. Okay, so there there is one moment uh, during my rewatch last night that I hadn't picked up on before that it didn't turn my stomach. But uh, I, I guess I probably more applauded Lionel, the actor, uh, more than anything. But during the lawnmower scene... You know, they just have hoses and buckets. They're just dumping all this goo on this one man. And the whole time his mouth is open. He's getting, I mean, I mean, he's getting shit in his eyes, up his nose and his ears and his mouth. I mean, the, they had to like silk would shower him after this scene. (laughs) Hose the shit out of him because he talk about being so committed. Like, you know, he's in there you know shouting mouth open just getting bucket full of this stuff in his mouth constantly just disgusting yeah it's i mean again there's 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 so much (laughs) there's if you've never seen the movie obviously you shouldn't be listening to this podcast um it, it was you know again it was a movie that we would show people almost on a dare and yet it's easy to take like i 
Erica doesn't deal well with like gross stuff. She covers her eyes for a lot of stuff and she's like, how do you watch this? Right. Um, but I think she could watch dead alive. She would make all kinds of noises and she would be laughing and like giddy the whole time, but she could watch it because it's couched in comedy because it's, you know, Peter Jackson, I don't know if he coined the term or whatever splat stick, but it is essentially splat stick. Um, and it's my favorite splastic movie ever made, even more so than something like Evil Dead 2. I think this oh, just is has never been topped. And I, I 100% agree. And that's – I asked Bobby, I was like, what – how can you sit through this but you can't sit through, you know, like a slasher movie, for instance? Um, and she said, because this is just so over the top and so so fake, but it's still funny enough. Right. Um, and, but – also super super disgusting uh but it's so over the top and and you know obviously fake that i think you know this is one i'm not going to show eben this yet at nine years old but this is one of the movies that i would be excited to show and there aren't uh many movies that i'm excited to show my kids this is one that i would be excited to show eben when he's you know, 15 years old or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I'm just, I was thinking, you know, a movie, a comparable movie or a movie with this comparable level of gore and violence, but without the sense of humor, I think would be impossible to take. Like there's no way I could stomach it. No. uh, Okay. So (laughs) I I don't know why I'm drawing this comparison. Uh, I saw, I, I watched the French uh, uh, movie Inside for the first time a couple months ago. Yeah. And so I was talking to Brent Peterson about it and just how brutal that violence is and and how over the top that is. But it's so realistic that it's hard to watch that. Yeah. Uh, The gore in Dead Alive, I think, is the gore in uh, Inside tenfold. But it's so fake looking. Right. Um, and Inside is is also an extremely depressing movie. Uh, hi, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, there's something about just I can take all this. I can't take it and eat at the same time. But there's something <laughs> about this uh, that, it, you know, it's just it's fun to watch. And, you know, as as a movie fan, someone that watches tons and tons of movies, I like watching a movie like this and appreciating the the craftsmanship that goes into it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for as much as we're talking about, you know, it being over the top or fake looking, I would say it's not fake looking. I mean, it's not they're not going for realistic gore, but the effects are pretty top notch. I mean, obviously with like the some of the stuff with the baby when it's clearly like a little person in a suit. Uh, I mean, little person. That that was one time Bobby looked up. She's like, what the fuck is this? This is so <laughs> stupid. Because there's like two shots. I think one in the park and then one at the party where the baby, it shows him running away. But it's just like a grown ass man, <laughs> like a six foot man in this giant baby helmet just running from the camera. And Bobby's like, so stupid. <laughs> I think it's hysterical, but anyways. <laughs> it is, because again, you just, you watch it and you appreciate Peter Jackson problem solver. You appreciate <laughs> the inventiveness with which he's trying to put together, you know, the whole, the whole park sequence is a combination of like puppet, doll, person in a suit, 
camera tricks, angles. I mean, it's like this lesson in how you pull something off with very little money and very few resources, which isn't to say that this was, you know, an especially cheap movie or that he didn't have resources. But I mean, that baby sequence, you know, you can kind of tell they didn't have a ton of resources, but you know, now they would just do it with CG and it's like, this is way more fun. Oh, totally. You know, there is one, uh, moment in this movie that that feels a little mean spirited, but I mean it suits the character the the character of the uncle who comes and tries to get his share of of Vera's estate, where he takes one of the zombies and like in a headlock he's pulling the teeth. Oh my out of gosh! The, yes, and that that might be the most upsetting part of the movie for me because that, I mean ugh, teeth teeth and fingernails like that's going to upset anybody. I was like, God, this guy is the worst. And so, you know, he's one that we don't care about dying. You know, we're kind of waiting for him to get his comeuppance. Yeah. And again, the, the, the movie lets him take a bunch of zombies out before it kills him. It does this thing where it builds up a potential hero and then kills that hero it does it with the priest it does it with the uncle not that the the uncle is particularly heroic but you just it gives you a glimpse of like oh this guy might actually get away and then obviously it kills him in the most spectacular fashion by ripping his spine out and uh, (laughs) just leaving his head attached um so that they can rip it the rest of the way off and smash it on the floor oh my god this movie is so nuts yeah, I uh what what was the I didn't even look at the budget of this. I mean, it, it seems like it would be with the amount of practical effects, it seems like it would be according crazy. to Wikipedia, it's 3 million. Uh, uh, talk about impressive. Right? I don't know you if know, that's if that's correct, you know, that's just what Wikipedia reports, but yeah. for 3 million dollars, I mean 3 million dollars doesn't pay for craft services on most movies that get made today and 1.5 million of that budget just went to goop <laughs> exactly it's, it's all goop yeah uh the other uh paquita the love interest in this you know talk about she's another one that's fully committed to she's kind of playing two roles here she's got the first half where uh you know she's so in love and obsessed with lionel and she is so fully committed to that character of a woman who just wants to get married, who just wants to have a, a family, but then like becomes this kind of badass zombie fighter doing what she can to stay alive because all she wants to do is get to Lionel so she can marry and have kids and blah, blah, blah. But she's another performance that I, I adore because she's another one that's, that's fully committed to the bit. She is. And again, the the line that sells me on her, not that she needs to sell me on her, but everybody has that moment where they just completely win me over. And for her, it's your mother ate my dog. The way that she delivers your mother ate my dog is, I mean, again, the absurdity of it, but she's not letting you know that it's absurd. <laughs> she's just committing to it. And, uh, it's 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 great and you know again it works because you like both of them you want them to get together romantically so there's an investment there where like we want these two to have a happy ending and i applaud the movie 
for giving us that happy ending because anything else would have felt out of place, I think, in a movie like this. Anything more mean-spirited than that would have been like a, a, a tonal shift that this movie couldn't handle. Yeah, yeah. The you know I I never want to see animals die in movies, uh, but you know this worked for me the way the Fernando was the dog, right? Uh, Fernando's tail sticking out of mom's mouth and and like uh, the he just Lionel just pulls and pull like it's so jammed so far deep in there, pulls it out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so funny. There's there's one other line that I love in this movie and it's <clears throat> priest. It's before all the the kicking ass for the Lord. It's uh, dur- during Mom's funeral, where he's uh, giving his little speech eulogy thing, and uh, talking about Vera and saying that she was blessed blessed with an abundance of mother love, and getting <laughs> that's another sort of foreshadowing to Vera right. at the end. Where, you know, her vagina opens up and swallows. Yeah, they get quite literal with the metaphor when it comes to <laughs> Vera Monster. The movie's not not hiding the subtext that's going on here, where he literally needs to escape from her womb. That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I was so... I think my seven-word review had something to do with Timothy Baum's reaction shots, because watching it today, I was like, this guy's Buster Keaton. I mean, he really, he's like the Kiwi Matt McCoy, but in a, in a better sense, he's Buster Keaton because so much of this performance is pretty wordless. He doesn't have a ton of dialogue in the movie. No. Um, it's a lot of just reactions and physicality. I'm think I can't think of him trying to run and slipping on the blood without just laughing to myself because it's just so goddamn funny. And, and like, I mean, that plays for, it feels like an eternity, but like they, they do that for like five seconds right? and it's just like, it shows Lionel like chugging away and then it shows his feet slipping on the blood and back up to his face and back to the feet. And it's like, they play the bit so long that, you know, it's funny and then you're like, this is stupid. And then it's funny again. And I love stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I feel like this has just turned into the Chris Farley show where we're just talking about everything that's great <clears throat> about, uh, I, 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 was a little, I was a little worried about it because I was like, what, like, this is going to can't spark like deep conversation. No. Uh, but honest to God. So do you have uh, a DVD of this? I do. Okay. That's how I watch it too. I like lucked out at a thrift store one time a few years ago and, and found a copy for a buck. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I didn't know if if it was like readily available. Or I not, don't but... think it is. I, yeah. I remember being at a Target once and seeing the Blu-ray that like Lionsgate put out and thinking to myself, well, I already have the DVD. I don't need that. And now I'm kicking myself because I think it goes for lots and lots of money. Not that I would sell it, but uh, you could buy the DVD for $42 on Amazon. There's a Blu-ray that you can import from Spain for 25 But again, supposedly Peter Jackson is working on a restoration, so I keep hoping we get news of a, of a Blu-ray. Next year would be the movie's, what, 30th anniversary. Maybe he'll have something timed in time for that. Yeah, I'm trying to see if it's even streaming or rentable anywhere. It's not. Like, you can't yeah. even rent it anywhere. Jesus. 
Yeah, that sucks. It sucks when a movie like this is hard to see because if people haven't seen it, I, I obviously, both of us clearly really want them to, even though we've spoiled every good moment in the movie now. Hopefully Sorry. you watch it first and then you listen to this podcast. Movie's so great, but you can't watch it. So. Uh, <laughs> Just okay, listen so to you... us describe it. <laughs> uh, so you like this better than Evil Dead 2? I love Evil Dead 2, but I would say if I if I was forced to make a choice, I would say uh, Dead Alive. Yeah, me too. I agree. Me too. But I like the first Evil Dead better than Evil Dead 2. Me too. Interesting. What are your, what are your thoughts on Army of Darkness? I enjoy Army of Darkness, but it's my least favorite of the trilogy. Me too. All right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's fun. Like, I tried to show that one to my kids because it is totally it's r but it's like bloodless and you know there's no swearing or anything uh they weren't super into it i don't think it held their interest enough for them to even watch the whole thing which i kind of get like they don't understand the character of ash they don't understand what's going on in the movie they haven't seen the first two evil dead movies so they have no frame of reference um yeah but i mean i i enjoy that movie i think it's super fun yeah i i don't i actually oh no okay that's a, that's another movie i really dislike but i i did see army of darkness before i saw the first two evil deads and it, i was the same i was like i like you know the the lines he says like are kind of callbacks to the to evil dead 2 and it's like i i don't i don't get it i just and again that's sort of that middle world uh story that i just you know it's a big snoozer for me anyways sure. but uh yeah i yeah dead alive i would take over I mean, so many, you know, of these splatter type of movies, uh, I I would think, like, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, what is it, Tucker and Dale, Dale and Tucker? Tucker, Tucker and Dale. Dale, yeah, that's a fun one. Um, you know, I this would be, I think, a, a good uh, double feature to go see these two together. A great night of laughs and, you know, funny kills. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, there's so many movies that have tried to do what dead alive does successfully right and come up short and you know any movie compared to dead alive is probably going to come up short that's the thing it's 30 years and it has yet to be surpassed uh, to me in terms of doing what it does i'm not saying a better horror movie hasn't come out in 30 years but like in terms of doing what this movie does i don't think there's a better version of it um that's come along i i 100 agree and uh, you guys can't watch it, so neener, neener. <laughs> it looks like you can uh, rent Bad Taste in HD for $2 on Amazon. Oh, perfect. Or buy it for 5 bucks. Oh, shit. Buy it. Buy it, folks. I, I haven't even seen that movie, but yeah, maybe it'll be a mistake and it'll be dead alive, and you'll get to watch that. <laughs> you think? Does Amazon <laughs> make those mistakes? I don't know if they do. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, anything else about Dead Alive you want to say? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm all tapped out. All right, cool. Um, where can people find more of your stuff? Even though Cult Movies Podcast is wrapping up the season, where can people go back and find all the past episodes? Uh, just go to uh, Cult Movies Pod on Twitter, and then I'm on Twitter at ak donnelly a k d o n e l l y, and then uh. You know, every Friday I'm writing. I'm I'm really impressed with myself. I'm I'm past the halfway point of those 52 articles. So uh, that 52.82. Yeah, every Friday at if this movie. 
<laughs> Sticking with it. And get ready for Sad Vember, because I got some doozies coming Oh, up. shit. Was 82 <laughs> a big year for sad movies? Uh, well, my first one is going to be uh, Desperate Living, I think. No, not Desperate Living. No. Desperate Lives. Okay, a, I don't know that one. It's a Warner Brothers made-for-TV movie. It's uh, you know, it rivals ordinary people for saddest movie ever. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> I at least know the premise of Ordinary People. Uh, oh, this is about drugs. Yeah. It's got Helen Hunt and Tom Atkins. <laughs> Hello. <Sure. laughs> and Doctor Joyce Brothers. <laughs> it's a good one. So look forward to that, everybody. <laughs> yeah, Desperate Lives. Coming soon to 5282. <laughs> well, thank you very much for talking about this movie with me. I'm really glad we got in a Scary Movie Month podcast together. It was super fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, Patrick. And thank you guys very much for listening. We will be back again probably later this week. It's Scary Movie Month, so we like to spoil you guys. So we're, I think, putting out two shows this week. Uh, I'm going to be talking about House of a Thousand Corpses with my wife, Erica. Ooh. So it's just going to be... Um, an entire hour of her talking about how much this movie scares her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys again. Thanks, Anthony. Thank Listening to FS Movie.